email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Kate Kerrigan is asking herself the question, am I Irish yet? Yes. Yes, and uh, she wants to share it with the world because she's a one-woman show of that name. Uh, good afternoon, Kate. Good afternoon, Ray. You Top see, immediately, you. immediately there, you see people are going, am I, am I Irish yet? No, you're not. You have an English accent. Yeah, Go home. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what they're it. saying. That's yeah, what yeah, they're saying. That's yeah. it. Who is that little tan woman with the prissy little English accent saying, am I Irish yet? No, emphatically yes. not. Yes. Go home. Go to your home. Own and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm saying that. Because I I was brought up Irish in London and I still have this little English accent. I've been here for 35 years and I still have this little English accent and I have the unconscious bias, you know, because I, you know, let's be honest, like the best thing about the Irish is like we hate the English. Well, we do, we, like, that's, that's a bit of a generalisation. It is a bit of a generalisation, yes, yes, but yeah. like culture, it's that thing of like when you're English and Irish at the same time, it's a problem. But it's I, can, a, it's a, I, I understand yeah. that. I understand that. Yeah. And if, if, for example, England are playing in a sporting event, oh, yeah, yeah. we would, more often than not, cheer the other team, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, completely. Yes. And Which the, is odd because, if, for example, if it's, if it's football, no, yet people support Manchester United and Liverpool and yet they won't support the English team. It's, it's a very odd one. I don't understand it. But well, it's, it's 800 years of oppression. Do right? you know that's what I mean? It. That's, that's, that, that's what it is. Yeah. It's complicated. OK, so let's, let's hear your story first and then we'll try and establish... Are if you, I am, am are, I am. Are, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I grew up in London around the same time as actually like Shane McGowan. Like, that would have been my tribe, very much my tribe. Growing up in London... Um, the Irish were overplanting bombs. Uh, the everyone was very, very cross about that. You know, they were like. And your parents were. From... My parents were from my dad's from Longford, and my mum's from Mayo. Right. And what age did they come over to? Uh, the they UK? came over. They came over like in their twenties or whatever okay. to work and stuff like that, and then brought us all to London. And um, we. What, were... when, what age were you when you arrived in London? Oh, I was born. I was oh, actually born right. in Scotland and brought up in London. Okay. So I was like a London girl. And there were four of us and two of us, we, we spent all of our summer ho- holidays at home in Ireland. We had sort of a very strong sense of our family history politically. You know, my grandfather was a, found, founded the Gaelic League um, with um, your man, the first president. I can't remember Cusack. his name. What was his name? No, uh, Hyde. Hyde, Douglas right. Hyde. And I then, didn't I know the president of the GA or the president of oh, Ireland. Oh, no, no, the yes. president of Ireland. Right, right. Uh, excuse me. And, uh, and then, um, and he was in the IRA and all that kind of stuff. And then my dad had very sort of strong Republican politics. So we were brought up in this household where um, we were very much, you know, kind of part of that struggle or kind of understood okay. that struggle. It wasn't something that wasn't talked about. So um, did you, for example, learn Irish dancing? No. No, right. We were kind of, I remember when I was very little, um, coming home from school one day because, you know, England is all about class. And when I was very, first few days home from school, I looked up at my mum and I said, mum, are we posh or are we common? And my mum said, uh, if anyone should ever ask, she said, uh, we are educated Irish. Right. So we had all of that going on. Okay. You know, educated Irish. Educated Irish, okay. you know. And, and my mother spoke like Edna O'Brien. Right. And know. at school then, did you fly the Irish flag? Or? Yeah. We, right. At school, there were kind of like, so 
mostly being growing up in London, we weren't like in an Irish area. We were in northwest London, but we weren't in Cricklewood or Wilson or Kilburn. We were in Hendon, which is actually quite a Jewish area, quite an English middle class Jewish area. Um, but we went to Catholic schools. So that was really where our Irishness presented itself most in Catholic schools. And there were we, there were Irish Catholics and then there were Italian Catholics and English Catholics. Right. And we were all quite distinct, mm. you know. Uh, now, when you're at school, you probably weren't aware that there was prejudice against Irish. And, and as you mentioned already, during the 70s and 80s, mm. there was... You know, the troubles were at their height and uh, the IRA were travelling to the UK and, yeah. and bombing and killing people. Yeah. Um, and that reflected badly on you yeah. with Irish heritage. Well, we, we would have been very aware of the prejudices, you know, because we would hear them from our parents, uh-huh. from my mother. My mother was a teacher in a school. So what were they saying? Well, they were saying, uh, you know, mum got a taxi into school. She got a, used to get a taxi into school every day. And because um, she was Irish, the taxi driver had assumed that she was a dinner lady rather than a teacher. She would have immediately been, been, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being a dinner lady, but that you would assume that an English woman was a teacher. She didn't get jobs because she was an Irish Catholic and they thought she would just go off and have babies and wouldn't come in. Um, and then, um, and then, of course, London was absolutely filled with, um, you know, anger towards mm. the bombing Irish. So we were aware of that prejudice all of the time. And we would have been aware of the politics behind it as well. Did you try to hide your Irishness then? There were two things that you could do um, as, as growing up London Irish at that time or in England at that time. If you were second generation, my parents never hid it. Um, but as their children, we were able to make a choice. So you either proclaimed your Irishness and uh, and kind of got into little fights and spats and did the whole St. Patrick's Day thing and kind of argued with people. Or you just kept your head down and you were a nice little white English kid. What and, did you do? Oh, I spat. I spat. Did you? Right. I went on. I went on. Yeah, I went on. <laughs> I went on. I went on dirty protests in Hyde Park. Right. Um, and uh, complained about the the teaching of Irish history in English classrooms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I was I was a spatter, right? And then um, got into trouble in pubs as a teenager, fighting with. I remember going out one night and meeting a group of young men who were signing up for the British Army and having a big for. Yeah, I was a I was a fighter, right? And I also. I loved, I loved Ireland. You know, I came, we came home every summer and I absolutely, I just loved Ireland. I love Mayo. I love my friends. Who said about, you know, like being Irish is not, it's not a country, it's about a state of mind. So, so you were very much in your head. I was completely Irish. Irish. I was okay. passionate about Ireland and I, not just about, you know, the politics of it, but I fell in love with who I was when I was in Ireland. Right. I fell in love with... Um, I, I just fell in love with the fact that I, I, I fitted in, I felt relaxed, you know, um, I, in my grandmother's house. We were outside all the time. 
Um, there weren't the um, were same you, were pressures you... or expectations. I never felt the pressures or expectations that I did growing up in London. It felt like my home. Yeah, and when you were home on your well back in Mayo for your summer holidays, were you sort of exotic because you had the English accent and you were from London? There was some of that. Mm. Yeah, like when I went to the discos, I was a big hit in the discos because, you know, I was from outside. All the boys thought that, you know, I'd shift them because I was English. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realise I went went to a way more Catholic school. Do you know, in London, like I I was with proper nuns, you know. Um, but there, there was always that assumption. So I was, and I remember um, being at a dance one once, and uh, this um, lad came up to me that I knew, and he said, "Will you get up for a dance for a slow set with me?" And I said, "I looked at him, like, no. Do you like? Come on, like, do you know?" And he said, "No, no, no, no. I don't want anything." He said, "Only like if the other girls see me up with you." They look at me in a different way. <laughs> Do you know, they look at me and they think, he couldn't get a girlfriend. Yes, He yeah, couldn't, yeah. you know. And so he'll become attractive by association. Yeah. Right. And that was the, that, I mean, that's the peril of growing up in a small town as well. It's like if you haven't fixed up and found somebody by the time you're 15, nobody likes you. Do you know, because mm. everyone's made their mind up at that Might have age. changed a bit. It might, might have changed, have changed a bit. Yeah. Uh, so just go on a, a sidebar. Um, Kate, because in your 20s you became editor of Just 17. Yeah. Um, uh, and you partly <laughs> discovered Take That. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I have a picture here, an amazing picture of you in bed oh with Take God, That. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. I, I wish it was I television. Know. I wish it was television. And actually it's quite funny. It's a picture of me holding up, I think it's, um, I think it's uh, Jason's codpiece um, in bed in a nighty would take that. Mm. And actually the landlady, I, I put it up online um, a couple of weeks ago. I took it down fairly quickly. But the, the landlady in my local pub um, uh, took a friend of mine aside because she thought it was a recent picture. <laughs> it was like 30, 30 years old or something. But yeah. um, And I got a load of local lads and what put them into bed. Was that on the cover of Just 17? No, it wasn't. No, it was I wouldn't inside. have put that on the cover. Yeah. No. And they were very, I mean, they were only, that was actually an audition piece that I did for, um, there was a TV show called, uh, oh, it was an awful TV show. It was late at night. Um, and I was in. Uh, I was auditioning for the. Um, it was in Manchester. There was right. something called Terry. Anyway, I was auditioning Terry for Christian. it, and we did that. Terry Christian. The that, word. The word. There you go. And I was auditioning uh, for the word, and that was a piece that I did with the boys from Take That. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, Paul Yates famously used to interview people in beds. That, she did it after me. Oh, did she? Yeah. Wow. Because it was based on In Bed with Madonna. Do you remember ah, the film yes, In Bed with yes, Madonna? Yes. And that one then was, um, yeah, in, take that In Bed with Auntie Morag. Right. And then, um, right. Yeah. Okay, so that's where you ended up in journalism. That's where I ended up in journalism. Yeah, and do you still keep in touch with the lads, Robbie no, and Carrie? <laughs> no, It was interesting because at that time, like when I look back, I, I, I do sort of think, like it was an amazing time and I was doing really well and I knew all these people and I was very part of that whole scene. And then I just decided that I, I, I wanted to move to Ireland. Right. And I just up and... The draw was too great, was it? The draw yeah, of the home draw, place. And then a job came up in Dublin and um, I just thought I'd rather be in Ireland okay. doing something I don't know with people that I don't know than be in London anymore. 
kind of. So now you're in Ireland and you have an English accent. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, and this, this is in the 90s, was it? Yeah, I came over in the 90s and mm. I, I was in my, I suppose I was in my early to mid 20s when I came over and I've never, I've never lost the accent. Mm. And it's been a source of, um, yeah, kind of, I know it sounds weird, but I think it's been a, a, it's been a sort of source of pain that I have assimilated here, but I still have the accent of the place that I left to came here. And the accent of the place that doesn't feel like home. And it's like a, it's like, it is like an emotional itch. I mean, that sounds very dramatic, but it is a kind of a, you it know. It begs the question, can you purposely get rid of an accent? Well, a lot of people, since I've been doing this show and writing and researching about it and talking to people, you know, I have, I have so many friends now that I didn't know in Mayo that moved here when they were eight or nine or ten, who have broad Mayo accents because they just got rid of them in school. <coughs> nothing will get ki- nothing will get rid of your accent quicker than being bullied in school. Mm. And I didn't have that experience because I came over here as an adult. But I ha- I-, I did. I would say that I- I've like an ongoing struggle with unconscious bias, my own and other people's this feeling that the way that I speak or the way that I present myself just sort of rubs people up the wrong way. Well, here's the thing, right? I used to think this. I don't think it anymore. But I used to think when I was younger um, that why would somebody come to Ireland from England to pursue a career? Because England was a bigger place. I always felt that maybe they were not as good or that they were running away from something. That's that. That was ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. But that's what I thought, and I'm wondering, do other people think that as well? Well, I think to a certain extent that would be true, but I think it's. I think it runs deeper than that. I think people. I think it's. I think it's different if someone comes here from somewhere else. I think it's sort of great if someone comes here from South America or Africa or France. No one ever said to Patrick Gibo go home to France. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's kind of marvellous. But what is not marvellous is someone coming home to Ireland when they grew up in England and they have an English accent. Mm. And I think it is, I think it's triggering. And I don't think people talk about it. Like right. I'm, I, I'm an older writer now and I've decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just come out and talk about it. And say this is triggering. Mm. Do you know? So do you have to lay out your 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 credentials, oh, your yeah. Irish credentials? So you, you in this show, am I Irish yet? It's a one woman show. Uh, so you say your parents are obviously Irish. Well, so, I do. So I mean, your, it's it's your friend one hundred percent Irish gene pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you came back as soon as you can. You could really when you were yeah. an adult, and you yeah. could make your own decisions. But that being said, like my. My brother, um, who passed away, and one um, one of my sisters are like they're really like they're very English, they're very English. And do they feel the same about Ireland no, as you do? No. no, no. In fact, my brother Tom hated Ireland. He was very English. Why did you have that chat with him? Uh, yeah, there were there were there were lots of reasons for it. He didn't go with my father. Um, he was a classical musician, and my father used to make him play Irish music. <laughs> And drag him around pubs playing for money. 
Um, he just never connected with Ireland mm. in that way. Was he young? What did you say he was younger? He was or the older? same age as well, he was. We were nine months apart. Okay. So we were like Irish, Irish twins. twins, right? Yeah. So there's that kind of. I mean, one of the first articles I ever did as a journalist was when I was very young, and the Pogues came out. And I did an article for Tim Pat Coogan in the Irish press, if we can remember that far back. And I rang him and I said, I'm in London. There's this amazing band called The Pogues and their fans are all these like crazy second generation Irish, like cockney kids, but with these like massive affinity with Ireland. And there's this all this anger and like this energy, this punk energy. And I did an interview. I interviewed those young men and did a piece on them. And it was about this ang this conflicted anger of growing up Irish in London, mm. learning Irish songs, you know, uh, absorbing Irish politics, you know, and being this, like, Irish rebel. I mean, the young Irish, second-generation Irish men with English accents and Irish souls and English passports right. were like fodder for, you know, Republican groups. It's, it's, Do you know what I mean? I, there's, what you described there is nearly like could lead to self-hate because... It, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a self-loathing. Yes. And these young men... And then so what would happen is they wanted, they wanted Ireland. They wanted to be Irish. But then they would come home to Ireland and someone would say, are you only a tan? And they'd take that on As board. As in the black and tans. And, yeah... Oh, yeah, but that's, yeah. A, you know, you're only a plastic patty or a tan. Right. You know, go off back home. Um, you know, you're not a real GAA supporter or whatever. And then they would go back to England and they, they had no place. So you're neither one thing or the other. And actually, one of the interesting things with those young men is that a, lo a lot of them then got recruited and soaked up into um, the English nationalist movement that was happening at the time because this anger in the National Front would come along and say, come on, Paddy, mm. come, come and join us. Do you know what I mean? And that was happening. But what's been amazing, Ray, is that now I'm doing this show, which is, it's, it's my story, but it's basically the story of all of us who have English accents and Irish hearts. Mm. You know, Shane McGowan was, and I, I saw that, I was just tearing up and I'm just going to start crying now and I saw him in your mum's kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I felt that. There's actually a piece in my play where I talk about being in the Irish kitchen because the Irish kitchen is ubiquitous. You grow up with it in Ireland. You, you grow up in an Irish kitchen. But when you're London Irish or Leeds Irish or... And you, you don't grow up in an Irish kitchen. And then when you come home to Ireland, you're in the Irish kitchen and the turf fire's going and everything. And it really means something. Mm. Mm. And that's that was Shane's connection with Ireland. But you've been in Ireland longer than you were in London. Yes. Right. That should qualify you. Well, <laughs> it's not even that I feel I need to qualify Yeah, I know, anymore. I know, I know, I know. But, I know, you know, but, the, when, yeah. when I did the show, when I do the, the show in London... The people that come, I get, I have to say, I do get a tremendous response. But the people that come up to me, when I look out, um, I see the audience and the people that come up to me afterwards who are actually emotional, who are actually crying, are men of our age who come up and they say, and, you know, I'm talking about just 17 and take that, but mm. they come up and they say, 
you have just told my story. No mm. one's ever told my story. Mm. And they won't tell their own story. We don't want to tell the story because we're telling it in an English accent. And if you've got an English yes. accent, you don't want to talk about being Irish because it feels like a contradiction. It feels like an insult. I'm Irish. It just doesn't. And that's what I loved about Shane because... He never, ever lost his London accent, ever. And yet no one ever questioned his Irishness, his Irishness mm. you know. But then Shane was enormously gifted, made a huge impact, enormously talented. And so he earned his Irish stripes through all of that. But if you're a plumber from Luton and you come to Dublin, you say, hello, Ray, uh, my name's, you know, <laughs> Kevin, and I'm Irish, I'm from Luton. Yeah. You're kind of immediately going, yeah, but are you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Do really... we want you? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I, I've never thought about it like that before because it, th- then you've no real place in the world. No, nowhere. And we don't even have, we don't even have a title. Like you can be Irish American, you can be African American, you can be Irish African, but you can't be British Irish, you can't be English Irish, and you, we're not Anglo Irish. Yes, you don't so even have a title. We don't have a title, and in fact, so we're very localized. And I know a friend of mine, Lou Brennan, an incre- like a London Irish designer who's been living in Ireland for decades, and but she worked for Alexander McQueen. I mean, she is amazing. But again, she's not owned by the Irish as an, as an Irish designer. She's still... Yeah. And I remember she called me one day. She was incandescent, which is very unlike her. And she said, have you heard? And I said, what? She said, they're calling, like, all these fabulous young media people that are moving over to London. She said, they're calling them all London Irish. I know. GQ magazine claimed London Barry Irish. Keoghan as They're all London Irish. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's not the British title. It's, it's the London Irish. London, I'm London Irish because I grew up as Irish in London. Yes, you weren't but, born and went over. No, but now the London Irish are the young Dublin chattering media classes. Laura Whitmore. Laura Whitmore Ashling is London B. Irish. Ashling B. <laughs> They're London they're Irish. London. Oh, I get you. Yes. Are you yes, with me? Yes. And they're Irish Irish. Yeah. Yes. And they're Irish Irish, but now they're London Irish, you know? Irish Americans, Irish English. Yeah, I've never heard anybody no, referred as Irish we're English. Leeds Irish, Yorkshire Irish, yeah. Liverpool Irish, mm. London Irish. Um, listen to this wonderful lady, that's you, Kate, who describes exactly how I feel after leaving Ireland age 12 in 1968, returned to Ireland 25 years ago, and her description fully mirrors my experience. Irish DNA can never be wiped out. What an amazing description that captures everything. So brutally honest. There you go. Lovely. Uh, I will, if you want to see more, I'm in Ballinar yes. Arts Centre this coming Wednesday, two nights time. Am, am I Irish yet? Am I Irish yet yeah. is the name of it. And it's uh, Kate Kerrigan. Mm. Um Interesting topic. And, and Prunty is your... That's, my, my real name is Morag Prunty. Yeah. But for reasons that are just too boring to describe, I'm a lady novelist and I've been writing novels for 20 years and I changed my name to Kate Kerrigan. Yes. My but, pen but, name. But Prunty is a, is a, Mayo, a Mayo name. No, it's no. Longford. Longford name, right. Okay. The Brontes were originally called Prunty. Oh, were they? Mm. Aha. Uh, interesting topic to discuss about, uh, am I Irish yet? And agree, the accent is a source of pain for me. I'm a 60-year-old born in London, 1963, and lived there until I was 10. When we returned to Ireland, I married and worked in Ireland since 1981, and I meet the unconscious bias on a daily basis, including work, where many would say, you're English, why are you here? 
what do you know about being Irish? Uh, I, of course, consider myself Irish and always feel an outsider at times, even though I have lived here 50 years. Yeah. I have to always have to say my parents are Irish. That's Derek and Dublin. So yeah. there. Um, well, we all need to be more um, tolerant, don't we? <laughs> That's That goes without saying, particularly now, doesn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, it's uh, troubling times. Um, so, uh, there's a few laughs in it and do you mention take that and all that? In I it? do, very yeah. briefly. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and are you still writing books? I'm still writing books. I'm, well, I'm working, on, I'm working on one around this at the moment. Um, but I kind of this is taking up all my time now, so I'm home to tour around Ireland with it this summer, mm. and then I'm over because I know you've got loads of listeners over in the UK, Ray. You're a big <laughs> pin up over yes. there, so I will be in the White Bear Kennington from the 11th to the 17th of March. It sold out last year, and it's selling out this year uh, as well. So yeah, come along if you're in London. Right, uh, and how do you like the whole performing thing? Really weird. Um, I had never done it before, although I've, all, as you can tell, I'm kind of an outgoing, talkative mm. person. So I'll always get up and say a few lines at a wedding or a funeral or whatever. But uh, I just performed it for the first time, went out on stage, and I just love it. Mm. They can't get me off. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're sort of kicking yourself. You didn't do it earlier, are you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably that audition for the word. The audition that put you for off. the word it put, put me off. off. It yes, did yes, put me yes. off. Yeah, and then take that took off. And what happened to me? <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Or maybe it was more egg punty. It's maybe, <laughs> maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah. Kate, yeah. lovely to see you. Am and I you Irish too. yet? Uh, if you put that into Google, you'll find out uh, where Kate is performing it, and we, we will talk again. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, thanks for the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One.